You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Shut up! Who cares about Derek Zoolander anyway? The man has only one look for Christ's sake. Blue Steel? Ferrari? Latigra? They're the same face! Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! Hello everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to another episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you grew up watching, you know, the ones you're nostalgic about, and we break them down objectively without the rose-colored glasses, let you know, are these movies any good, or are you just really nostalgic about them? This week we watched the 2001 comedy, Zoolander. Ooh, this is a perfect movie for this podcast, Brandon. 3% body fat, 1% brain activity. That's the tagline. This is going to be an interesting episode. <laughs> this really is, man. I there's a I, there's a lot to say. There's a lot to say. We'll go ahead and say it. Well, it's f- of course directed by its star, uh, Ben Stiller. Now, Zach, I'm going to start right off the top. I have a question for you. At nearly 80 episodes into this podcast, a podcast solely dedicated to covering films of the 1990s to the early 2000s. How the fuck is this not only our first Ben Stiller movie, but our first Will Ferrell movie? It's baffling. It's what, truly what crazy. What have we been doing? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> we're so we've always been a little iffy on comedies because they're you know it, it's tough to really break down a comedy sometimes. But I guess in that instance, maybe there's a reason we haven't. But I mean, there's plenty of other movies out there that we absolutely could have done, like Anchorman. Why haven't we done Anchorman, Brandon? That, that's the thing is like some of these we know are, are comedy classics, and this one going into it, I thought was it's definitely got a cult following definitely revered Mm -hmm. and so this wasn't a movie i was necessarily thinking was going to be awful to watch or or sit through again because it's truthfully a movie i've seen many many times so so many times just not not recently though true i haven't seen it probably in a good five years but that's that's even saying that's stretching it like this is a movie i have revisited over the years it's never completely left my mind and so when when the topic came up should we watch it this wasn't necessarily so much a does this hold up as I want to check this out on a critical level and see if this is actually like a good movie. Yeah, I mean, and we could just dive right into it. I I remember the first time I saw this movie, I think my cousins brought it over um, to our house and they they were telling me it's the funniest movie ever. And it it was very funny at the time. I remember loving it and rewatching it so many times. It was a good thing because like you said, it had a cult following. This was a movie where kids in school were walking around quoting Zulu lander and making the face really kind of a spoof of pop culture but it became pop culture oh for sure it was in the zeitgeist i wouldn't say necessarily in 2001 i think it took a few years to really build Mm -hmm. by this time we were in middle school and so i think that's when this movie really became popular for me but i equate this experience to the first time i watched napoleon dynamite because i remember both of those films stay tuned by the way maybe exactly maybe i didn't quite get it the very first time i watched it and again It wasn't that I disliked it, it was just I didn't quite understand how funny it was in comparison to how everyone had told me how funny it was. So my expectations maybe were set. Then I rewatched it, and both of those movies quickly became favorites of mine, and I just kept rewatching and rewatching. Maybe even similar with Anchorman, I think it's this form of of satire and, and deadpan humor at times is, I think, difficult to digest as a kid. 
or in your middle school years, and you grow to appreciate it that much more on repeat viewings as you grow older. It's funny you bring up Napoleon Dynamite. I've seen Napoleon Dynamite very recently. I got to tell you, we, we should do that movie because that is actually, for an indie film, kind of a stunning movie. <laughs> It, it it was one of the most profitable independent films upon its release and, again, became just such a cultural sensation. Yeah. On the surface, these movies appear very dumb because of their subject matter, the dialogue, the characters. Yeah. But I feel like it takes a very smart person to write something so stupid. Similarly to the Fairley Brothers, Dumb and Dumber, the, <laughs> the characters are so dumb, you can't help but laugh, but also find them weirdly endearing, even if you're ashamed to say it, and uh, they're just hilarious. There's so much going on, not a lot of it makes sense. It, you're confused at every moment. Like it, it, The whole movie just feels like you've had just like one too many, and you're not quite sure what's going on. But man, looking through our episodes and realizing that, I, I will say, he does have a solid two minutes in Happy Gilmore as the orderly. You know, you can trouble me for warm glasses, shut the hell up. I don't count that as... Well, it wasn't his movie. That was a Sandler. Exactly. That's a yeah. Sandler movie. But That's but, a Sandler but movie. But from, from that time range, our time range, 1990 to 2005, typically what we stick with, he had Meet the Parents, Mystery Men, Dodgeball, Along Came Polly, Starsky and Hutch, all within the confines of the show setup. And alas, this is our first Ben Stiller starring role. So let's let's hear a little bit more about this movie, though. What uh, what do you got for me? Directed by Ben Stiller. He's directed a number of films. He started his career off behind the camera with 1994's Reality Bites. Did you ever see that one with Winona Ryder? No. I watched that fairly recently. It's kind of an independent movie. Ethan Hawke, Steve Zahn's in there. It's pretty pretty well done. I liked it, yeah. Uh, he did The Cable Guy. What are your thoughts on The Cable Guy? Uh, no, don't really don't remember, remember it that much, but I remember not being a huge fan of it either. I think that movie was a little ahead of its time in terms of its dark comedy and how far that movie pushes it in the end. I think people weren't necessarily ready for him to take on such a weirdly conflicting comedic and dark role. So sure. I, I think that movie kind of went over a lot of people's heads at the time of release, but might be worth a rewatch too. Okay. He did, Then he did this. He did Tropic Thunder. He did The Secret Life of Walter Mitty and then Zoolander 2. Now, what would... Between this, Dodgeball, and Tropic Thunder, those might be some of my favorite comedies from the 2000s to the 2000s, like that decade. It is a powerhouse of comedy right there. I mean, it, it's crazy that he's ingrained in so many movies. And it's weird because I don't really think about Ben Stiller that much. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. I think we take him for granted. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, you're right. He is. He's a big part of a lot of what has come to shape comedy movies, a wide amount of There's something movies. about Mary. Yeah. I forgot about that yeah, one too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Iceman. <laughs> oh, dude. Along came Polly. Uh, Philip Seymour often in that basketball scene. So funny. That's my favorite. Uh, I sharded, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like we mentioned earlier, Zoolander wasn't quite a huge success when it came out. That doesn't mean it was a, a bomb or anything. It, it, it cost $28 million to make. It earned $45 million in the U.S. and $60 million worldwide. I think you mentioned this last year. Uh, last week when we were talking about this movie too it kind of got into that um it was in that time frame of you know 9-11 where people probably weren't super stoked to go see a movie poorly timed yeah it was released just two weeks after 9-11 roger ebert notably gave the film one star out of four and felt the film was insensitive in its portrayal of child labor but also added that to some degree zoolander is a victim of bad timing 
referencing the uh, World Trade Center attack, of course. According to Stiller, though, years later in private, Ebert admitted that he changed his mind and thought the film was funny and apologized for him for going overboard. Interesting. Uh, Ebert must Ebert was probably not in a great mood when he saw that movie. <laughs> I, I, mean, I think honest, a lot of people yeah. probably weren't. Yeah. It got a C-plus cinema score by people Ooh. walking out of the theater, which is not a good sign for a comedy. No, not at all. And it's weird, too, and, and I know I'm jumping ahead here, um, for a movie that was that kind of fell into that realm, really bizarre that they would open up the sequel with a building collapsing in 2001 New York. Is that what they do? Yeah, they start off with that that learning center that he oh built. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah, it, it's they show it collapsing oh, that's right, in, that's in right. New York in 2001. Uh, there are Holy a lot of things shit. wrong with that sequel. Oh my god, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, that is a really bad film. I, I will for the most part, stand behind Ben Stiller's filmography of directorial work. I think he's a pretty decent director. I also really liked his uh, work on the Ben Stiller show. I never saw his most recent, because he got into TV, The Escape from Danamora, starring Zach's favorite actor, Paul Dano. I love fucking... I haven't seen that either, and it's funny It looks really great. I was actually working in news in New York during the Danamora thing. So oh, wow. it, it was... Yeah. Uh, it, I remember we were sending people over to Danamora, so that's something I've always wanted to get after, but... Uh, I heard it's great. I heard it's really good. Looks really good. Love Paul Dano, though. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. So Zoolander finished 55th for the year of 2001 in America. Uh, Previous NBD episode, Shrek, and possible Stay Tuned Someday, Rush Hour 2. Those are the only comedic films in the top 10 that year. But in terms of straight comedies, Zoolander did earn less than American Pie 2, Dr. Doolittle 2, Legally Blonde, Scary Movie 2. What a year this is. That was uh, Shallow Hal. Down to Earth. Do you remember Down to Earth where Chris Rock dies and then becomes like an old white rich guy? Yes, I do. <laughs> I was also just thinking of Shallow Hal, too, which is kind yep. of a fucking weird movie. How about movie. this one? Again, these are all movies that earn less than Rob Schneider's The Animal. No. Oh, God. <laughs> and Rat Race. But it outgrossed Evolution, Not Another Teen Movie, How High, and Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Also starring Will Ferrell. What a fucking year for comedies. My God. Holy shit. Jesus, man. (laughs) A lot going on. Zoolander currently holds a 6.6 on IMDb and an almost identical 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. So uh, mixed bag. Mixed. Yeah, mixed bag. You know, I think this is a movie that definitely isn't going to appeal to everyone. And so going into this episode, I feel like listeners should know comedy is the most subjective genre, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Much harder to appeal to a wide range of people because everyone's got specific comedy tastes. So we're going to try to refrain from this just being an entire episode where we quote the movie. But some of these quotes are quotes I said throughout my childhood. Sometimes I still say because they're so memorable. And so we'll get into a little bit of that. But again, we'll try to keep it to our typical plot by plot. Which also makes it difficult and why we kind of don't do movies because it's really difficult to pick apart plot points in this when it's really just like... It's so absurd and stupid and all over the place. Like, why? What do you want us to sit here and, t- and tell Analyze. you why we? T- yeah, why we think this is a poor screenplay? <laughs> the pacing really lulled here. Uh, yeah, no, but but again, I think- why would he even go to the? Why would he even go to it? I it's that stupid. This whole could have been avoided if he just stayed home. Exactly. I was most interested going back reviewing this in in a sort of critical lens with 
also seeing if this movie was all just pop culture references that wouldn't hold up, because I remember it being a very of-the-time 2001 movie, and I was most interested in the nostalgia that that would bring. And so that'll be, I think, an interesting talking point throughout the, this episode. But. I don't know why people thought we cared about Billy's. Why did we care about Billy Zane that <laughs> Billy much? Zane? Put a cork in it, Zane. Oh, I can't wait. Uh <laughs> Derek Zoolander, the character, was created by Ben Stiller to appear in a series of shorts shot for the VH1 Fashion Awards television specials back in 1996 and 1997. This movie here, Zoolander, was nominated for five MTV Movie Awards, including one for Best Line, the endlessly quotable, there's more to life than being just really, really, really ridiculously good looking. Fortunately, it did not win. Uh, The film has been banned in Malaysia. Because of the use of fictional Malaysian Prime Minister as the subject of assassination. It was originally also banned in neighboring Singapore, but that ban has been since lifted. You're welcome, Singapore. And in case anyone's listening to this movie and thought, I thought I was listening to a Ben Stiller male modeling comedy episode. Why did they talk about Malaysian Prime Minister assassination? Just a quick synopsis provided by IMDb reads, At the end of his career, a clueless fashion model is brainwashed to kill the Prime Minister of Malaysia, which is such an outlandish fucking concept for a movie. How they got away with it, how it was pitched, and how the studio greenlit it is beyond me. How do you I'm... even how do you even come to write something like that? How high do you have to be? <laughs> well, interestingly <laughs> enough, Brett Easton Ellis, who also wrote uh, American Psycho, the novel, which of which the movie's based on, also wrote a 1998 novel called Glamorama about a dim-witted male model who finds himself embroiled in a terrorist ring with roots in the fashion in- industry. Wait, he... this is an adapted screenplay? <laughs> no, he sued Ben Stiller following the release of this film, citing copyright infringement. I guess the case was settled out of court, so he probably got a big chunk of change and um, the door. <laughs> Interesting, man. That is crazy. I mean, but I remember thinking, how this is such a unique and bizarre fucking idea. There's no way it's an accident, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it can't be. Yeah, I, like it is so specific. The part of Mugatu, of course. The aforementioned Will Ferrell, originally written for Andy Dick, who couldn't play it due to commitments to another movie I guess he was making. Instead, Dick's cast is a smaller role of Olga the masseuse. I didn't know the masseuse in this movie was Andy Dick. Ew! And they put so much Ew. makeup in. It's <laughs> yeah, so it's crazy, gross. right? <laughs> and uh, finally, a sequel, of course, Zoolander 2, was released in February of 2016, 15 years later, to very negative reviews. And this blew my mind. An animated series, Zoolander Supermodel, was released on Netflix in the UK in August of 2016. And we haven't gotten it? We'll never see it, dude. Why? America. This is like Parasite winning Best Picture, okay? (laughs) Can you believe Trump doesn't like Parasite? Guess what? I can definitely believe Trump doesn't like Parasite. Typically, I would say don't bring him into an episode that, you know, he doesn't belong. He's in this movie. He's one of the first people you see in fucking Zoolander. I know. We can't not mention it because it is cringy (laughs) when the president of the country shows up in Zoolander in the first, like, five minutes. Well, let's get into it. Uh, The Malaysian prime minister... He is promising to eliminate, I guess, illegal child labor, right? The fashion industry is dependent on that child labor for their profit margin. That's how they make money. He's also raising wages, too, so 
they have to spend more money in their sweatshops. So it's like this scene out of a fucking like Alfred Hitchcock movie where everyone's shrouded in shadows, Mugatu's in the center of this room, and they're like being interrogated by, I guess, the heads of the fashion industry, like the garment industry. It, it like it looks like it looks like the inside of the Legion of Doom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Mugatu in the darkness. They need an assassin so dumb that once it's over, they can completely distance themselves from as well as make them disappear or, or throw them to the wolves and not care. But where on God's green earth am I going to find someone so beast-headed? Cut to a little uh, start the commotion, dude, which was all through the marketing of this movie. And I remember I fell in love with this song in 2001 because of the VH1 music video top 10 countdowns, dude. Jumpstart? Yep. Soundtrack holds up, by the way. Soundtrack is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, soundtrack. It's a good soundtrack and like a good, healthy mix of modern music and, well, modern back then and 80s. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of 80s as well. We're introduced to Matilda Jeffries, played by Ben Stiller's then-wife, Christine Taylor, who's interviewing our title character, Derek Zoolander. Killed off in the second movie instantly. Yeah. You Can't can, believe they didn't want to work sad. together again. <laughs> weird. Very weird. This really is a, a Stiller family affair. We've got his dad playing his agent in this Maury Ballstein. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His mother's even in the beginning of this at a protest where she's throwing eggs at Mugatu's dog. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> For a split second. That's yeah. his mother? That's funny. That's his mom, yeah. So Derek Zoolander, he's a very dim male model who's practicing his looks, right? The looks that have made him famous throughout his career. Yeah, he's showing him off, uh, what is it, Blue Steel. Ferrari Latigra. Ferrari. <laughs> Yeah, but he's known, they're all the same. He's known for Blue Steel, and the world is eagerly anticipating the reveal of his newest look. Magnum. <laughs> is this something, like, I can, I remember when this came out trying to think, like, is this something people actually care about? Like, do we, like, await models <laughs> to, to do something else with their face? <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> and again, this movie is such a satire of... The fashion industry, like celebrities in general, not really Hollywood, but mostly just the the, the people that inhabit celebrity culture, really. (laughs) And the fact that, yeah, he's practicing these looks, the joke of which is they're all the exact same face. Uh, Later on, we're we're shown a calendar he's done where (laughs) all that changes is the background and his shirt, but his face stays the same through every single one. (laughs) Um, Did they put his, did they impose his face on people because he is ripped in certain shots of this movie so in the photos it's photoshop in real life no he got ripped for this movie he's been ripped quite a bit dude tropic thunder he's fucking jacked. yeah he's jacked at ja- tropic <laughs> yeah. thunder he's an intimidating dude man <laughs> yeah, he's ben stiller he's, meet the parents yeah gaylord fokker is <laughs> absolutely sculpted in this movie it's crazy well what's his other one in uh dodgeball too oh yeah he's the when he's the uh fitness Global gym, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he looks good in that too. Fuck. He's a good looking dude. (laughs) So there's the is this is the fashion awards, right? The MTV Fashion Awards that the this award ceremony that we're thrust into kind of guerrilla style with people interviewing celebrities on the the red carpet. There again, the first person we see is Donald Trump talking about how cool Derek Zoolander is. (laughs) I know. He's he's a great guy. (laughs) Cuba Gooding Jr., Natalie Portman's talking about how she has a crush on him. This is I'm a queen Amadala time, so it's a little yeah, a little weird, weird. <laughs> a little weird. She, she lo- looks like I was a gonna child. say she looks super young in that shot too. One of my favorite actresses, though. Oh, one of the best. And then we're introduced to Hansel, played by Owen Wilson. And I had to, I stopped and I thought about this. Is this Owen Wilson's best role? 
not his best movie, not his best movie, his best role, like the most memorable character he's ever played. Um, I went through his entire film. He's great in like Royal Tenenbaums. He's been great in like Wes Anderson movies, Bottle Rocket. He's good in uh, obviously Drillbit Taylor. That's your favorite, Zach. But yeah, I love Drillbit Taylor. <laughs> Everybody who knows me knows I love Drillbit Taylor. You're so, a real drillbit. Yeah, you're a real drillhead, dude. Yeah, you've seen my tattoo, right? <laughs> No, but seriously, I think this might be his most iconic role. I He's the funniest he's ever been I, right here. I guess I could be yeah. talked into it. What else you got? Like Marley and me and shit like that? Again, he's good in... Well, I'm thinking of like... I'm thinking of like um, Behind Enemy Lines. Is oh, sure. Like his like more my dramatic favorite, stuff. Okay. Yeah, like was one of my favorite Owen Wilson movies. Um, haven't seen that movie in a really long time either. He was shooting that at the same time as this. That's why he's actually wearing a wig because his head was shaved down for that. Yeah, movie. he was a fighter yeah. pilot in that movie, so he had shaved down hair. Yeah, um, but you're right. It, it is probably his most iconic one. Uh, that's. I think it's a conversation worth having anyway. I think it's in the, the running for one of his best roles. He is hilarious in this thing. Like, I really... I really love what he brings to this character. He's perfect. This Fashion Awards uh, is great. We've got, and it really sets the tone, really sets the stage for 2001. You've got Fabio accepting award for model slash actor. I love Introduced <laughs> by Lenny Kravitz, too. Like, There's only, are there only two nominees for this best male model of the year? I realize there's yeah. only two nominees, and it's both Hansel and Derek Zoolander. And I, dude, I'm laughing my ass off when they're going through these little vignettes that the VH1 has cut for these. Like, they very typically do at these award shows it feels like owen wilson's just talking <laughs> like, <laughs> he's like talking they... about absolute nonsense yeah exactly the whole bit about like sting he's a real inspiration of mine uh not that i listen to his music but just that he's making it i respect that <laughs> yeah I, respect <laughs> then, the hell I was i was always interested in like nature and what tree bark's made out of yeah oh yeah he's oh, i mean i don't know if they're feeding him these lines or if he's improvising because it's it is just pure fucking nonsense <laughs> but he's like the definition of just like this you picture almost like a california surfer dude who has he just thinks about you know nature is the way to go and he's not he's very hypocritical in the fact that he makes a shit ton of money but is always preaching the fact that materialism doesn't matter at all. <laughs> yeah but he's fucking yeah, does all this insanely crazy rich and uh, models clothing he's always talking the whole time like i don't know what i do i know what i'm marketing <laughs> do, no. do, I, <laughs> do i know what i'm doing no <laughs> damn i here <laughs> yeah but i'm enjoying the ride yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's great. And then Derek Zoolander, because again, he you can tell his career, while I guess on the the, the decline, despite him really being very popular still, uh, popular enough to get all these jobs, popular enough to be nominated. So <laughs> the fact that he's so sure that he'll win for a fourth time in a row, that when Hansel's name is called, <laughs> he just gets up and accepts the award. And halfway through his speech, Lenny Kravitz is forced to be like, whisper in his ear, you didn't win. It's the most awkward, dumb thing ever. You know, it's funny because I remember the first time I saw this movie and there's a huge, big reveal in the middle of it. I saw you drip, drip that drink that you just took. You look like a fucking idiot. Uh, uh, I want everybody to know it. Um... <laughs> Uh, I had to go back the first time I watched this movie because there's a big reveal um, that he can't turn left. Sorry for spoiling the joke. Um, well, no, he talks about it throughout the movie. He's an ambi-turner. <laughs> you know, the first time I saw this movie years and years and years ago, I went back and rewatched it. And sure enough, he never turns left. He, he circles every time. 
It's crazy. And and I just thought of it in this scene because he he makes like this weird spin move to go look at the screen that's right behind him. So yeah, he didn't he doesn't get the award. And it's at this point that Mugatu realizes how dumb he really is, so he figures, "Oh shit, he's the perfect person for this assassination plot." And he tries to convince his agent, Mori, to convince him to work for Mugatu under the guise that, you know, they're going to promote some homeless, chic fucking clothing line, which we'll get into in a second here. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it sets him off on a very sad montage home set to the wallflowers. Again, great soundtrack. I started a joke. He gets home to his, like, apartment loft. And the next morning, I forgot all about this. This is Alexander Skarsgård's first movie, dude. The the guy who's playing, who's Mikus in it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! I laughed so hard when I saw. I was like, "Wait, what?" I didn't even realize that. <laughs> Earth to Brint. I don't think you did know what I was talking about. <laughs> He's so dumb in it. Oh my god! But Derek's really bummed that he, you know, one, he didn't get the award, but he's also just looking at his life in general and being like, he's not contributing to society whatsoever. So he and he's like, well, male models do help people. They tell them how to wear their hair cool and what cool clothes to to try on. And he's like, I guess that's a little better. And he says, the only thing that's going to cheer you up, orange mocha frappuccinos. The scene that happens after this, the whole montage, jitterbugs. Yeah, wake me. Yeah, up. they're driving down to jitterbug. Um, <laughs> They get in this fight, this playful fight where they're spraying water at each other at the gas station. Then they take the gasoline pump (laughs) and start spraying each other with gasoline. And then someone lights a cigarette and kills them all. I remember the first time I saw this movie, I had to pause. I was laughing so hard. And like, I, and now as an adult nearing my thirties, I like still appreciated just the fact that someone like that's just that's them transitioning to a new scene. Like, yeah, we need to move the act along. So we're just going <laughs> to blow up his friends in your I, I was my stomach almost hurt from genuinely laughing so hard at this bit. This is one of the funniest, but it reminded me of what MacGruber did almost 10 years later, where he assembles his entire team and they get in the van and they blow up. And then <laughs> and he's, they just, blow yeah, up. he's just like, oh, fuck, fuck. Tug, are you guys okay? I was just That's crying. a great movie, oh, by that, the way. That's one of the funniest movies of the 2010s. I agree. Like, it, it really hilarious. is. I'm going to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> but right here, because he's looking in the trash can at the article, the Time Magazine article that uh, Matilda wrote about him. And it's just like, I'm, a, I'm an idiot or I'm a model idiot. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. And he looks over so lovingly at his friends. He's just like smiling, like dancing around to the tune or whatever. And they all fucking blow, blow up. <laughs> what the as he's fuck? This is the dumbest no. goddamn thing ever. And then it's a hard cut, yeah, to their fucking three caskets at their <laughs> funeral. He's giving their eulogy. Oh, my God. It... And it's here that he announces that he's planning on retiring from male modeling. Which really upsets Mugatu, because at this point, I guess there's been this rivalry between the two where he's never offered his uh, clothing lines to Zoolander. He's never had a use for him until now. Well, and then it's revealed kind of why later. I, I don't know if it's a rivalry or if it's just like he he never hires him because... I don't know. It's weird. Oh, I was going to say this next scene, though, um, where he travels back home to southern New Jersey, the, the classic mining... <laughs> the industry of southern new jersey 
um, where he meets up with his father and his two brothers. One of his brothers is played by Vince Vaughn, who do- and doesn't say a word, doesn't have a lick of dialogue. The other one's Judah Friedlander, yeah, and his dad is John Voight. Uh, but, but before they get there, Zach, I'm so sorry. I just want to mention this really quick scene. Oh, yeah. Because it's the next day where he, oh, Derek is yeah. talking to Maury about the, you know, the future of his life and where he wants to take his career. He wants to establish the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good. He wants to do something good with his life. And Maury's convincing him, no, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, you have to work with Mugatu. But when he's introduced in this scene, they're walking through the office, it's just Maury and him talking, and he stops mid-sentence and just goes, Tushy squeeze! And he grabs this woman's ass walking by. Oh my and god. And it's so, again, like, looking in hindsight, it's so over-the-top looking. Problematic. Like, but I think, again, it's like a satire <laughs> on these people who work in this industry, because the things he does, the things Mugatu does when he, like, <laughs> throws his latte in the, his assistant's face later on <laughs> like it's just outrageous no it i mean it's true it's you know it, it, it's tough to tell if it's like that joke is something of the time period where we probably would have laughed at him squeezing a woman's ass yes or if it is a parody it of, is. like, Harvey Weinstein. Well, I w- again, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as to say it's it's pinpointing a specific producer, but I would say that right, it is, correct. It is no. that, that character, that type uh, I of man. Of yes, that of course. Yes. I really think it is, yeah. like, he's going so far over the top that you can tell he's not trying to, he's not, like, commending this behavior. It's literally like, these people are on a, living on another fucking planet. Oh, I also I also forgot the one line that I have to point out because it is my my favorite line of the movie because it's a reoccurring line. Hansel comes to the funeral at one point, and Will Ferrell as Magatu just goes, it's Hansel. He's so hot right now. It's... <laughs> So hot. <laughs> but I love when he arrives in town. He's wearing a fucking, like, rattlesnake tuxedo. <laughs> he just walks right up to the coal <laughs> mine. Luggage. Yeah, walks right up to the coal mine. He wants to work in the mine shaft with his family, I guess, to reconnect. So then we get this whole, yeah, working on the week, working for the weekend montage where he's, like, being a dumbass in the coal mine. What do you think about this? Because I, um, while I was watching it, was kind of thinking this is sort of a waste of time. Like, it, it, it's a filler to oh, me. Oh, it is a bit of a waste of time, but I will say, it gives, yes, but it does give one of the funniest scenes, I think, the very next scene where they're at the mine shaft, this bar, and they're drinking. Yeah. And he's trying again. He, he's just, like, wasted literally thousands of those cotton swabs on his face, wiping all the coal off. He sits down, and the ad for his <laughs> Avion or whatever, like, I don't even know what product this is. Oh, the mer- where he's, like, a, where <laughs> he's, he's a, a merman. merman. He comes up, and he's just like, uh, moisture is the essence of wetness. And wetness is the essence of beauty. He swims away like a little mermaid. And his dad just is like, fuck this shit. Like, I hate you, son, basically. So embarrassed by him. I uh, I agree that is a funny scene. Um, I just don't, like, I don't think I really needed it. Um, like, the whole, agree. like, him sure. him arguing with his dad. and <laughs> I don't know Like, this I whole, like, in... in... <laughs> You're more dead to me than your dead mother. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... Jesus. <laughs> The whole existential crisis thing, they, like, kind of move on from. They breeze it really really quickly. It it does feel like filler, because this movie is a cool, like... It's, like, 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. 89 minutes, I think. So this this felt like filler and felt like, I don't know, you know, especially Vince Vaughn doesn't even get a line. (laughs) It's almost funnier that he's there and he doesn't say anything, though. Yeah, he, like, is on the brink of saying something several times, (laughs) and he just stops. So Mugatu and Derek finally meet up. He goes back to New York, 
and he unveils, you know, his like peace offering. Basically, he's like, if you come to work with me and be the face of my new clothing line, derelict, I will give you the center for fuck, the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read Good and Want to Learn to Do Other Stuff Good Too, or something like that. Yeah, so good. I think you. But he unveils it. the model, and Derek is just so confused and angered by the. And again, this was all over the trailers. Oh, uh, this. <laughs> This was such a people said, what is this? A center for ants? I can't tell you how many people said that when this movie came out. How can we be expected to teach children how to read if they can't even fit inside the building? <laughs> it's so dumb. The building needs to be at least three times bigger than this. It's funny because I, this is one of those movies that I'm seeing it and I just know on paper like that is funny. <laughs> But I'm not laughing at it because I've seen it so many sure. times. It's like me watching Sunny at this point where I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is, yeah, like, this is great. You recognize mm-hmm. how hilarious it is without actually laughing out loud, I hear you. You have to be with people, I think, yeah. Exactly. And talking about it with you out of the context of that movie, I think I'm laughing more than I ever did. I think I only laughed out loud maybe twice on the rewatch. Oh, okay. But I, like, understood that like a lot of these jokes were funny. I watched it like with two buddies and I was laughing my ass off. There are a few stretches where I will get into I think that it does lose a bit of its steam, but yeah. this whole first part here, I think the first act of this movie is like fucking hilarious. It's a really good setup I think for the movie. It's a punch to the gut. It's crazy. Derelict, yeah, it's inspired by the vagrants, homeless, and crack whores that make this city so unique. It's, again, the ultimate parody of this industry that pays so much money for this. And his clothing line is literally just, like, trash bags and, like, yeah. <laughs> garbage found on the, the sidewalk. And, like, you know, if, if any of these people saw a homeless person on the sidewalk, they'd, like, think they were gross <laughs> and, like, not, you shits. know, look at them. Yeah, wouldn't give two shits about them, but they're... <laughs> But they're trying to capitalize off their clothing. Exactly. It's good. It's, it's clever. It's, you know, this movie's smarter than it lets on. Exactly. Exactly. And and Mugatu has uh, some some right-hand assistants, I guess. He's got Nathan Lee Graham as Todd, who's like his right-hand assistant and also, I guess, lover. I love the looks that they're always giving each other. Are they lovers? <laughs> he's always giving him these, like, he throws the frappuccino in his face. And he's like, yeah, get out of here, Todd. And they just stare at each, at each other, making all these, like, weird, gross faces. <laughs> Then there's also Mila Jovovich, who's his muscle and valet, Katinka Ingabogovanana. She looks familiar, by the way. Have I seen her in anything before? Yeah, is, of course, dude. It's Mila Jovovich. Resident oh, yeah, Evil yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you got it. I didn't like Resident Evil, but uh, The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah, Fifth Element, dude. Yes. I was wondering, what's the other Owen Wilson movie we've seen? Oh, Armageddon. Armageddon. Yeah. You want to do another Michael Bay? You want to talk about Michael Bay again? Two weeks in a row? Yeah, let's do Six Underground and just break the whole thing. <laughs> Fucking, I tell you what, that gasoline scene probably would have been a lot better if Michael Bay was in charge. Fucking really would have blown that building up. Derek is sent to a day spa to relax. Andy Dick, like we mentioned before, in tons of makeup here, uh, plays this horrific female masseuse who has to battle his dick. His dick, he's getting a boner when he flips over and starts fighting with him as he's wrestling with the duster or something. It's so dumb. Matilda finds him there. I think this is when this movie starts to lose a little steam, like you were saying. I th- I feel like this it hits a wall in a couple of moments throughout this movie, and I feel like this entire scene is one of them. I'm good with this. this. This bit's not as funny, but I will say I love the clockwork orange brainwashing experiment that he's subjected to. He's then brought into this room where this video plays where Mugatu and all these weird disguises is just like telling him to kill the Malaysian prime minister. And he's justifying uh, child labor laws. <laughs> 
exactly. She can't kids. believe kids don't get to work. Happy. <laughs> yeah. It's just nuts and wild. He's getting electrocuted and shocked every time he questions what's happening. But he wakes up and what he appears or what he thinks is the next day. But Matilda tells him it's been a week, I guess, since he's passed out or since anyone's seen him. But he, so he's got a show he's got to get ready for. There's this side plot where Matilda and this reporter Archie, co like her co-worker, are discovering that Katinka was in all these assassination photos. They're doing kind of the legwork of the actual plot here. Yeah, they're the only ones actually moving it along. So much so that I, Archie solves. <laughs> yeah, Archie actually solves the plot later on. Like, I forgot all about this character. And then he comes in later on like, hey, Mugatu's actually this person and this is what he's done. And he's the, the only one finding anything out in this movie, really. Yeah, he's like assistant ex machina it's crazy uh, so derek's at this party and again it's a, an endless parade of celebrities we got winona Ryder, paris hilton and then <laughs> billy zane for whatever reason again he even in this time like titanic was 97 he wasn't in the forefront of movies <laughs> i hadn't seen billy zane in a while oh i don't know why anybody i mean like yeah he's a handsome dude and i guess it would make sense that he's like hanging out with other handsome dudes but oh i don't get me wrong i love that billy zane is here <laughs> the demon knight himself it's kind of funny yeah like he's he played he's in the first and i will admit that i i said last week i've only watched half of zoolander 2 right before we started this i started watching a little bit of zoolander 2 just to get a sense of what the sequel is like he's like in the first 20 minutes of this movie isn't Kiefer sutherland in that movie having a baby or something Kiefer sutherland is having a baby <laughs> Um, I was, I did forget that Kyle Mooney is like a part of that. Oh, movie, dude, which, he's funny in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Kyle he's Mooney the best part of that movie. was turning that movie around for me for like 10 seconds. And then he disappeared and I was like, okay, I'm over it again. So it's at this party that Hansel bumps into Derek and they have their, you know, first real confrontation in the movie where he explains to him that he's doing this new line, line, of, <laughs> line of clothing, derelict. Well, you can derelict my balls, Capitan. <laughs> I can derelict my own balls. Thank you. Yeah. Derek challenges Hansel to a walk-off. You think you're too cool for school, but I got a newsflash for you, Walter Cronkite. You aren't. <laughs> I said that one all through all through middle school. Like, <laughs> like one, I did like that a line one. a lot. <laughs> Calling him Walter Cronkite. Oh it's my god! Funny. So the walk-off, it's basically like horse. You just gotta, gotta copy the person and do whatever they do on the runway. <laughs> yeah. So and Derek is is keeping up with Hansel beat for beat until. Hansel pulls this weird ass trick. He pulls his, he takes his underwear off without removing his pants or sitting down. He's still standing and somehow it's believed or perceived people believe that he's pulled it through his butt somehow. Is that what people are thinking? I have no idea they come what people sparkling white clean and everything. Yeah. yeah. It's physically, no, I mean, it's physically impossible. <laughs> of, course, of course, but maybe that's, that's what makes it. Yeah. Maybe he just has a stored pair of underwear down there for this very trick. You know what I, I mean? I don't, I mean, the movie would just have you believe that I he, did that. I did yeah, that from well, now on. We know. We all know, Brandon. You say it all the time. I'm in the grocery store. There's a line. People are really bored. And I want to cheer people up. I go, hey, everyone, watch this. And then I pull. I do the whole thing. And then everyone's like, oh, my God. Do you see that guy? He's really cool. We should pay for his groceries. It's the end of nostalgia. Be damn. We're that's happened twice, again. Zach. That's happened twice, dude. No, that's the end of the podcast. We're done. Um... <laughs> Oh, so, we're, so yeah, Derek can't do this. He pops his underwear. <laughs> yeah, he gets disqualified by David Bowie. Rest in peace. <laughs> I love that the goddamn, yeah, the judge of this is David Bowie. 
out of nowhere, like, because they just knew, like, younger people were watching this, probably, they had to give David Bowie, like, a little credit, like, freeze frame. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's funny because they only do that for the lead characters, it seems, or at least it's done it for, like, Zoolander, Hansel, and then, like, no one else, <laughs> or Mugatu. I yeah, think, I think yeah. they gave it to Mugat- Mugatu. Uh, yeah. And but you're right. And then oh, Mori Ballstein, they did Mori Ballstein. Yeah. And then out of nowhere, David Bowie <laughs> David is in Bowie. this movie for a scene. So he loses, and all this time, Matilda, she's received a mysterious phone call from an anonymous source, whom they finally meet. All three of them, Zoolander, and it turns out to be David Duchovny, who's this renowned hand model JP. He's got his hand, like, encased in this glass tomb or whatever to protect it. And he's going on about this. He basically just explains the plot and, like, the the motivation to them that uh, Ballstein has been recruiting these models for Magatu, and they are behind every political assassination the last 50 years. The, I will admit, <laughs> the funniest part of this scene is when they're when they show um, John Wilkes Booth <laughs> and he get and he gives the blue steel look to the camera and then they're talking about the JFK assassination he's like no but those two guys who were on the hill that popped JFK sure were <laughs> like, John Wilkes Booth is James Marsden I love he's there for one little yeah. like two seconds it's so funny and yeah this whole bit they're there he's convinced that they're behind every major assassination of, it's like a hundred years the past hundred years the fashion industry is behind them all He's, he's basically, he's like a conspiracy theorist, maybe whistleblower, I guess, is more accurate for this situation. He he escaped his own brain, they, and they use, they use male models because male models are in peak physical condition. They get into the most exclusive parties and places. And, uh, they, and they don't think for themselves. That's not true. Yes, it is, Derek. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then we get this, this little, uh scene with Patton Oswald telling him to dance like a monkey throwing bananas at him yeah <laughs> it's interesting um because I remember watching it and being like you know what that kind of makes sense like they would be good as they would be good assassins <laughs> like they would be male models would be really good assassins um so Derek and uh, Matilda need a need a place to hide after Katinka and her little right-hand assistant guy starts open firing on them in a, in a cemetery. His uh, David Duchovny's little hand tombs crushed <laughs> on the way out. By the way, David Duchovny knows all this because they tried to recruit him, but because he's a hand model, he's smarter than... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a different breed than you face and body guys. Yeah. <laughs> so, so fucking weird, this movie. But the fact that he's playing it so so straight, like he's out of a like he's out of little conspiracy <laughs> theory is. or some fucking. David movie Duchovny like that. is great in this movie. <laughs> he's so funny. Yeah, he's so funny. When Ben Stiller repeats the line, like, "But why male models?" I looked it up. I guess that was like a, an actual ad lib, or he had forgotten his line. Ben Stiller did, and so David Duchovny just had lib. Like, "Are you serious? I just ex- I just explained all of that." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is that is really funny. Oh my <laughs> god! So they go to Hansel's because they they think that's the last place anyone will really look for them. And here in his doorway, finally, Hansel and uh, Derek, you know, become best friends. And it's at this point, in my opinion, that I think the movie kind of comes to a halt. Yeah, the uh, the whole... It's a similar, it's a similar, not problem, it's just a similar plot device in another Will Ferrell movie, Step Brothers, when I, I find the movie more enjoyable and entertaining in the first bit where they're at odds, where they're enemies. Yeah. And then once they become friends, while I still think it's funny... I just think that them, like, I don't know, it's one of the few examples of the chemistry I like better when they're rivals than when they are, 
working together and best friends. Well, yeah, because exactly. Yeah, it's. I think it's funnier that way. But this is still great. But this whole scene, yeah, they, he comes clean to him about how Hansel is obsessed with Derek and like he inspired him to be a mom. But I, I also, I agree with you too. It also hits a lull. I think when they're in the back drinking tea, he, he lives in this fucking bizarre warehouse, by the way, it does make any sense. There's like a half pipe. Filled with like fucking dwarves and shaman. And yeah, it, it's so goats. fucking weird. Yeah. It's so fucking weird. They're in the back. They're drinking this weird tea that I assume is like drugs, but I don't know. And Matilda starts, you know, they, she starts breaking down her whole, like, uh, her backstory. Don't give a shit. Don't give a shit. I just, when you're doing a movie like this, I don't necessarily think that character development is is suiting the comedy that you're, it's similar to like, like a MacGruber or a pop star, never stop, never stopping. You just breeze through the jokes and that's what we're here for. And I think it's best when they're going rapid fire with the jokes. It's the same problem I had when they were in that mining bar. That I just, I was like, yeah, you know, I don't really care. <laughs> but I'm finding things to laugh at in that, like, his stupid little cough and the fact that it's John Voight. They all have the exact same hair. Yeah. Right. And this scene, this scene is devoid of most of that. There is, like, one or two lines where where she says that she's bulimic <laughs> and... Uh, he says, you can read minds. <laughs> and the face that Owen Wilson, like, the realization on Owen Wilson's face is hysterical. <laughs> Owen Wilson is very good in this movie. And they're like, so what? We do that before every show. Yeah, great way to lose pounds. And this is completely right or off. Uh, and, then oh they go, and then they go into an even longer thing about how she hasn't had sex in years and then they have sex. They all have this big orgy. Dwarfs get in and... Uh, <laughs> some guy with a giant face tattoo and the shaman (laughs) (laughs) yeah which there is this there is kind of a funny shot where they're you know spinning around and making faces at the camera you know those shots and then it shows the shaman and he's (laughs) just just making it he's not Ah! even yeah he's just making a noise he's not even doing anything Ah! it's kind of funny (laughs) yeah the next morning, Derek tells Hansel that he's falling for Matilda. Again, who cares? But they they decide they need to be disguised in order to get into Mori's office because they need evidence to prove that Mugatu's linked to all these assassinations and whatnot. They believe Mori has the evidence in the computer. Now, this is this this part here really dates the movie because if these people existed in our world, they would be considered even more mentally incompetent than they truly are. How about that computer, though? That freaking Apple. Yes, the oh orange big fucking yeah, the bubble mat. Giant orange bubble. Yeah. <laughs> I never had one of those, but I had a lot of friends who did. Those things were fucking wild. Also, we breezed over that he use, he's like, if I can just think of some simple disguises, we could sneak into Ballstein's office and grab the files. It's a classroom master of disguise, dude. Pistachio disguise you right here. Stop bringing <laughs> that movie up. Get dude, I'm a here. member now. Um, yeah, I, I know you are. Um, but I know you, you kept talking to me about it all night last night. You kept calling me what at like 3 a.m. He's like, dude, the master of disguise. We got to talk to <laughs> um, And instead of like, you know, simple disguises, they completely bring in like new actors and dub over their voices. And it's not, it's, 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 yeah, funny. it's okay. It's the only part that made me really laugh was um, when the guy who's pl- supposed to be Ben Stiller, um, finishes talking with Matilda on the phone and then makes the blue steel face. 
That was funny because the guy's face is pretty funny. This whole bit's good. And meanwhile, while all this is happening, Archie, yeah, solves the whole damn thing. Mugato used to be the lead singer of Frankie Goes to Hollywood. We failed to mention that during this whole brainwashing thing, the song Relax by Frankie Goes to Hollywood is playing in the background. There's an evil DJ played by Justin Thoreau. Who is that who that of, is? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> from The Leftovers. Yeah. yeah. He, he also wrote Tropic Thunder with Ben Stiller. Yeah, he's under, again, the makeup in these, I love the the weird attention to detail. And it's crazy. Like, you don't need to do this. There's no. It's not necessary to make Andy Dick up to be this gross masseuse, but the fact or that he's... Or Justin spent... Thoreau to be this weird, like, scarred <laughs> Rasta. Like... <laughs> yeah, almost silent DJ, like, whatever. All right. But Anyway, they're playing that song that they find out is going to be the trigger. Uh, that's going to make him snap and t- basically turn to the Manchurian candidate, I guess, is what this whole thing is. They're still trying to figure out how to get the files off the computer. But Zoolander says, I have to go to the show. I've never been late for a show before, and I'm not going to start now. Even though if he goes, <laughs> it is a sure thing that he will attempt to assassinate. So, like, And like I half joked about this at the beginning of the episode. It's like it's all solved if he just doesn't go. <laughs> like, <laughs> like this, this movie ends if it just doesn't go. Another weird joke here. They, they, there's this 2001 A Space Odyssey riff where they're like the monkeys oh, the yeah. banging on the computer. He grabs a bone. It goes on for so too, long. Too long. It goes on too yeah. long. It's a, it's a dumb joke to begin with. It, feel, it reminded me a lot of like a Family Guy sketch. Just keep going. I'm like fuck, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But they pay that off later on in a really funny joke, so I kind of let it slide, yeah. They do. The funnier reference, the funnier classic movie reference that I that I got that I never really got when I first saw this movie and I, on the rewatch, I was like, Oh my God, they're doing the Godfather part two. Which part is that? So Zoolander goes to the show and he sees Ballstein and Ballstein is like, you know, oh, yeah. is, is saying good luck to him. And he turns around and he goes, I know it was you, Maury. <laughs> Maury. You broke my heart. <laughs> And they've got, and the music's even playing in the background. It's so good. It's, right, I was yeah. like, I lost it. I that made me laugh. I was like, oh my god! They just, they just did the the Michael and Fredo scene. So Matilda is on her way, very desperately trying to get there to tell Derek, like the the trigger is relax. Mugatu was the lead singer of that band. He was kicked out right before that song got famous. So he's going to use that song. He also invented the piano key necktie. Yeah, that's a big thing. Apparently, <laughs> that is a big thing. Now we're at the show. And the song starts playing, which is his trigger. And Derek all of a sudden turns into deadly assassin mode. Born Identity just starts running at him, doing needless cartwheels and shit, sprinting towards him. Yeah, weird karate. Because <laughs> yeah. he's at the very end of the runway. The prime minister of Malaysia. Again, I don't even understand why he'd be there in the why first place. Why is he place. there? So yeah, what, it makes no sense. But Hansel uh, starts fighting off the DJ, and there's this breakdance fight sequence where the music keeps getting turned on and off, and Derek keeps going in and out of assassin mode. We get our last. It's that damn Hansel. He's so hot. <laughs> Right now. <laughs> a lot right now. But Hansel pulls the power right to the music right before he's about to rip the Prime Minister's head off. He's done like a flying flip over him and is about to pull his head right off. Hansel tries to blow the whole thing open. He's like, we, you've been, you know, he essentially tells him what his plan's been. And he says, we've got a 30 years of files right here in this computer. And proceeds you down. <laughs> yeah, and proceeds to chuck it off a balcony. <laughs> Because he thinks the files are literally inside are the computer. physically inside <laughs> the computer. So it just shatters. He's like, where are the, where are the files? 
And, and then Mori finally steps up because everyone thinks, oh, wow, all this was for nothing. Mori steps up and says, I got it all on a zip disc. <laughs> a zip disc, ladies a and gentlemen. A zip disc. Yeah, that's so right. So he calls his wife to come that's get it. That's right. I wonder how many... I wonder how many of our listeners know what a zip disk is or have even ever used a zip disk. I mean, I, I would suggest that because the basis of this show is for, you know, 90s and 2000s, they probably know. That's probably true. Know. Maybe we got some youngsters listening. Write in if you're a little baby, right? That's true. Or listening to this show. Yeah, if you're a little freaking baby, <laughs> right go ahead and write into this show and <laughs> let us know baby, if you've yeah. ever used. Yeah, if you're a stupid, stupid baby, let us know if you've ever used a freaking zip disk before, you freaking Baby. Will Farrell, in my opinion, right here, gives the best monologue of his entire career. I laugh so hard during this entire scene. I've seen this on YouTube before because it is it is the best part of the movie to me, is when it was when Will Sparrow goes on this monologue rant. But I've saw this comment on YouTube and I'll just paraphrase it because it sums it up perfectly. It's it's pretty much just like what everybody's been thinking in this movie. Like what every person watching this movie has been thinking. Like he just he just says it all. Like or like someone who doesn't like this movie is thinking <laughs> sure, everything yeah. that Will Ferrell says in this monologue. <laughs> what have you done, Derek? Nothing. I invented the piano key necktie. I invented it. It's one look. <laughs> It's the same you know, damn like look. Blue steel, Ferrari, Latigua. They're the same face. <laughs> I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Shut up! Enough already, Ballstein! Who cares about Derek Zoolander anyway? The man has only one look for Christ's sake. Blue steel, Ferrari, Latigua. They're the same face! Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I invented the piano key necktie. I invented it! What have you done, Derek? Nothing! You've done nothing! Nothing! And I will be a monkey's uncle if I have you ruin this for me! Because if you can't get the job done, then I will! Die, you way-taking scum! I feel like I'm taking crazy pills, probably the most famous line <laughs> that I heard repeated years after this movie die came you wage hiking scum and he throws <laughs> throws the throwing <laughs> star at scum. the prime minister of malaysia and for the first time Derek, one look one look he's the for the first time in his life is able to turn left and delivers to the world magnum which is again the joke of it the same face and everyone yeah. is blown away by it <laughs> got to like oh my dear lord it's so it's beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> and it stops the throwing star <laughs> It's so powerful that it stops the throwing star from hitting him. It is it is just like the peak of like this movie's like building its ridiculousness, like, okay, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy, and then it's just like it hits the mountaintop. And it's a zenith, it pays off all of it. Like again, some people watching this movie are at this very point are either laughing their ass off or about to rip the DVD out. Like fuck this stupid movie. Like <laughs> Yeah, or are so fucking sick of this, this movie. This is the turning point, if any, there is one. Yeah. It it is like I didn't think I was gonna laugh at it and I I was. Like it is just you're right. It's a it's a payoff after 90 minutes of just fucking stupid Nonsense. bullshit going on, and then it's just like it's like they're spitting in my face as a joke. It's kind of, exactly because they've been building up what is this look going to be the whole time, and even you as an audience member, it's like there's nothing they could do that would pay it off. There's no look you could make, and the, the fact that it's the same face. face. <laughs> That makes it so funny. Uh, so we cut to a few years later. Derek has finally opened the Derek Zoolander Center for Kids Who Can't Read and Want to Learn to Do Other Stuff Good Too. 
There's a uh, even a gas station fight statue out front of the institution, and all of his friends are there, like Hansel's teaching kids how to fucking like parachute out of planes and stuff. His dad, uh, Maury Ballstein, is teaching finances. <laughs> yeah, to children. Yep. <laughs> And he's married to Matilda. They've got a kid, and the kid does the face blue steel, and uh, we get another weird CGI because that kid, <laughs> yep, that, baby face, weird CGI. That baby, baby face. yeah, that baby is much chubbier than that face. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's weird. Go back and watch it. It's fucking we- wild. Um, It'll wake me up before we go. Go again. Starts playing as we uh, jib out to a beautiful day. Yep. Uh, Zoolander. <sighs> Zoolander, man. Yeah. What's there to say? Thoughts. What's there to say? My my thoughts. I thought maybe going into this that it would that there'd be a lot of jokes that wouldn't hold up looking under a critical lens. I think even under scrutiny, man, th- this movie it's pointless to analyze. It's pointless for me to go on any sort of you either get it or you don't. This is this is one of those Will Ferrell movies, uh Step Brothers or Anchorman that you watch and some people I can see finding this to be one of the funniest movies ever. Some people finding this movie to be a complete waste of time and just the epitome of dumb studio comedies. I, I genuinely think this may be one of the funniest movies of the 2000s. Like, from 2000 to 2010, I think it holds up. I think this is probably the funniest movie we've done on this show. Wow. I could gen- Yeah, I think I could genuinely say that. Comedy is very subjective, so you, your mileage may vary. But according to me, I think it moves at a really nice pace. There are those few scenes where it does lull, where they get to his pad before the orgy. Uh, <laughs> I think that really slows it down. But... The first act of this is great. The supporting cast is really funny. And the cameos, while there are a ton of them and you can tell what they're trying to do, they're never they're always so quick that they don't necessarily lend a lot of attention to themselves. It's not like you're like, oh fuck, this person's gonna come in here and do two minutes or a minute of this or that. Like they do in the second one. No. It's not the entourage movie. Yeah, or yeah. the entourage movie. They do that in the second one where these people keep they get like full scenes or they get like far too many lines. Here, some of these people are in one shot and that's it. It's very funny to just move past because it's almost like this really sets up the world. None of these other people really matter because there's so many celebrities here. It really heightens the uh you know the craziness of this. And that's where I think this movie does really well is establish a tone in a world of this modeling where it's so heightened. The fucking walk-off, the fact that it's like this underground fight club area that everyone's so invested in. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think this is really well-written. It's it's a good directed movie. I think Ben Stiller, this is one of his best. It's not maybe as good as I think a Tropic Thunder. I think Tropic Thunder is a bit better than this, maybe more nuanced and refined. But again, I can also see that movie... I've read a lot of articles about recently about how people are very upset about some of the content in that. Oh, movie. really? In Tropic and, Thunder? Yeah, and under, where Robert well, Downey I mean, Jr. plays a black out. man. <laughs> yes, yeah. well, I remember when it came out is very controversial, and I thought they addressed a lot of that stuff. And it's it's like people forget, and then something happens. I guess maybe Robert Downey Jr. leaving Endgame and moving on to new stuff. People were like, "Oh wait, you remember when he did the blackface? <laughs> like we should be mad at him again for that." Comedy's going to be politically incorrect sometimes, and while I think this one doesn't go as far as Tropic Thunder. It's uh, one of his funniest, and I really dig it. So what do you rate it? So I'm going to go, if it had a, it has 64%, I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a 78. Whoa. I know, dude. I know. I Damn. almost wanted to give it to 80, but I can't justify an 8.0 out of 10. But, like, it's really funny. Again, it's hard to rate comedies, but if, from yeah. 2000 to 2010, this would be in my top, like, 15, 20 comedies of that decade. Um, I disagree with you a little bit. I, I, I know we just spent an hour picking out some of our favorite jokes and there are a lot of jokes in this that are funny and do hold up um but i'm gonna have to say that there's a lot that don't too i i think there are bits and pieces of this movie that 
besides the parts where it hits lulls, and there are plenty. This movie, I mean, it's and, and that's gonna happen. It's so fucking disjointed. This movie, it's you know, it's it's a comedy that makes no sense. Um, there's a lot of jokes that. I probably laughed at it at when I was a kid that I just don't really find that funny anymore necessarily. That being said, there are a lot of jokes that hold up and again on paper are really funny jokes. You know, it, it was interesting to rewatch for the nostalgia and kind of like you mentioned it, it is a perfect time capsule of 2001. <laughs> just the fucking shit that we were obsessed over at that point. I agree that it is a really funny movie and I think probably the best comedy to come out around that time period, which was notably a shitty time for comedies. Exactly, yes. it was that. But that's exactly you're the grading point. on a scale. I, it's yeah. kind of a it's kind of a low bar. Um, I don't think it is the funniest movie I've ever seen. It's certainly not the best. But I think if you were to go back and watch this for nostalgia's sake, I think it does hold up. I think you wouldn't hate yourself for rewatching it, like I've done several times on this show. I don't feel like I hate myself for rewatching that movie. That being said, um, it just I don't I can't see any younger audiences loving this movie. You know what I mean? It is like this movie will die into obscurity. No, you think, think so? Really? Point. Okay. Yeah, when we die. Like honestly, when when I think this movie ages out, I don't think it's going to hold up as a timeless comedy classic. Um I I'm going to say that a 64 is probably right on the mark, okay. honestly. I I think it is kind of a mixed bag of Really good filmmaking because it is. He does a really good job with this movie. It's directed well. There are funny parts of it, but I think that there's about half of this movie that I like. I'd rather watch this movie in clips on YouTube than sit down and watch the whole movie. Understandable. It's a good thing that it is like 89 minutes. That's for sure. Yeah. If if it was any longer than what yeah. the runtime is, it doesn't outstay its welcome. This movie does a good job of getting in and getting out. Um, but yeah, so I think a 64, I think is probably right on the mark. I enjoyed it. I know I'm kind of making it sounding like I didn't. I, I just don't think that it's going to be a movie that, you know, people archive. Like it's not going to be on a top 100 greatest movies list. You know what I mean? I wonder, I wonder if this, this type of comedy, because they don't get made like this anymore. No. These type of movies, like I honestly think MacGruber may be the last of this type of movie. Or again, Popstar, Hot Rod, those movies do get made, but they're so few and far between because they're not successful at the box office. We see this time and time again where they come out and the stoner crowd that wants to watch this at home isn't going to leave their isn't going to leave their house to go see it in a theater. They'll watch it when it comes out on DVD or streaming or whatever, and that's where those movies are successful. Speaking of which, Brandon, and I want you to answer this sincerely, were you in any way under the influence yes of stuff i was inebriated. yes i and this is the stark Sto this oh, is the stark difference of this review i if i was if i was inebriated or influenced by marijuana <laughs> i fucking died watching this movie i watched it sober um that I think is the lesson we take from this podcast. <laughs> so what you're saying is, is this was not a controlled experiment. <laughs> correct. Correct. Um, the variable here. Yeah. Is. Correct. Um, I think if you're gonna go back and watch this movie, have a beer, have a smoke, or at least have some friends, or at least yeah. have some friends. That's the other thing. Watch it alone. <laughs> yeah. Watch it with some friends, or watch it in, under the influence of something. I think it'll be time. <laughs> My life is sad. <laughs> Look, if dodgeball is your shtick, if you like that Ben Stiller brand of comedy, I think this and, and dodgeball and Tropic Thunder are the best representations of that. And I do very much, I love these kinds of movies, um, but probably just have to be a little drunk or high. <laughs> 
Yeah, and again, some people are going to watch this movie and be like, I don't understand what the fuck you guys are doing. How could you give Dinosaur, a movie I love, <laughs> something less than you guys fucking give this high marks, high Did praise. we give Dinosaur high marks? I don't think so. I, I think it was a middling say, I think we best. really didn't like Dinosaur. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I was literally trying to think of any movie we had just covered, and Dinosaur was the first one that popped to my head. We're so back. <laughs> No one out there is sad that we didn't love We Are Back. <laughs> That's true. Oh, oh boy. Whatever, it's well, fine. Yeah. So before we get into next week's movie, Zach, do you have anything you would like to recommend or not recommend? Um, you know, it's funny because as of time of recording, Brandon, the fifth season of Better Call Saul starts tomorrow. And uh, so I've been catching up and I rewatched season four this week. Brandon, uh, I don't know how you feel about Breaking Bad. I think personally Breaking Bad is the greatest show ever and I think Better Call Saul is better. It's fucking insane how that works. I think it is just a better show than Breaking Bad. It is maybe the best show ever made. I love Breaking Bad. I've not seen a frame of Better Call Saul, but I read some reviews the other day that said it is the saddest show of all time. Stop. Go on. It is it's insane. It's so well made, Brandon. You I'm not kidding. You have to stop what you're doing. Go on Netflix. The first 4 seasons are up. Watch it. I think it is better than Breaking Bad. I, it's yeah, it's I gotta watch such... Six Underground first. Sorry, dude. Oh no, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah ridiculous Six for. The I was gonna guy. say, yeah, you gotta watch. You gotta watch Six Underground like seven times. Um, <laughs> I can get to whatever. So you can focus about. on all six that are underground, and then I, a seventh I time for it. enjoyment. <laughs> no. Oh shit! Yeah. That sounds like no, a but, suicide. Pact. But seriously, I I can't recommend. Better Call Saul enough. I think it is maybe the best television show ever made. Well, damn. All right. What do you? What did you fucking see? I guess. <laughs> so I just got two here, and they're both pretty fucked up. I watched Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built. Do you remember hearing about this movie a couple years back? Matt Dillon is a serial killer. Dude, yeah. Rough yeah. stuff, dude. It's so Weird, fucked right? up. Yeah. yeah. Really pretentious, but. I- I wasn't really bored necessarily. It's just rough to watch, man. I, every once in a while, I get into that depraved, dark mood where I want to watch something that makes me feel gross about being a human being, and that satisfied that itch. I was very depressed for the next uh, the next night. So really, <laughs> uh, not necessarily depressed watching, but that movie, The Lodge, that came to theaters, Riley Keough's new movie, dude. One of my favorites of the year. I've read reviews that a lot of people didn't like it. I fucking loved it. It's by the people who did Good Night, Mommy. Did you ever see that one? No, I never saw that. It's a pretty good foreign film, a nice little horror one. But check The Lodge out. Again, if you're into movies like Hereditary, very similar vibes to that. Where it's just, okay. holy shit, I can't believe they're going this far with it this soon. So, pretty good. So next week, we are, uh, we're we're kind of going down an interesting path like that, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah, a brutal movie. Again, we hadn't done a straight horror movie, I think, since Pet Cemetery. We did Signs and Idle Hands <laughs> back last October, but I can't count either of those. No, as, you know, Signs is horror. more like a existential crisis. Yeah, more like a thriller. Um, yeah. yeah, no. So we are doing uh, really a classic movie, uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, two thousand one. <laughs> Three. No, wait, this oh, one's 2003. Three. I'm 2003. Sorry. No, 2003. Excuse me. Uh, Michael That's Bay right. produced. Michael Bay produced. Stop. What? <laughs> yeah, Platinum Dunes. They produced it. Oh, yeah. my God. I didn't know that. Oh, this is going to fucking suck. Um, <laughs> only seen this movie one time uh, when it was in theaters. Uh, not of age. Snuck in. I was going to say, what a badass. I didn't see this in theaters. I was only 12 when, really? I, was 12 when, I, was, when I came out. I saw this on DVD probably the next year. I've got. I've actually got some funny stories that spawned off of 
well, maybe maybe they'll be funny. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I I only saw it in theaters that one time. <laughs> I've, I've seen and this many many times over the years. Really, many uh, times. But it's been a, yeah, many times. It's been a good five or six years probably since I've sat it and down and watched it front to back. I, I weirdly enough, I've caught this movie in chunks at the gym playing on TVs, maybe on FX or something for several times over like the past few years. I've just caught it on TV. Like this isn't a movie I expect to see playing in public. Why would you put that movie on? Yeah. Okay, Again, this whatever. is coming from you, dude, who watches everything at the gym. Uh, you, I you do watch, watch rat sex at the, at the gym. Bad boys too. I did. Yep. And I watched half of Zoolander at the gym. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, your yeah. your thoughts real quick before we close out here. Uh, I know we talked about it very briefly, but Zoolander 2, you said you still haven't finished it yet. You watched just the first half. What were your thoughts on that first half? It sucks, man. It's it's like yeah. not funny at all. And it's and you see how the con- like maybe our tastes have changed cuz you could tell they're really striving for that exact same type of humor, but mm-hmm. it just does not work. Yeah. So I wonder if Zoolander was made frame for frame the exact same and, and was released today. If I would have that, again, I think mine is a little tinged by the nostalgia, I'll admit. My grade, um, I don't necessarily think that that movie would play as well. Yeah. Because I think we've just moved on from this type of comedy for the most part. Comedies aren't like this anymore. And so, you know, if you if you are, <laughs> if, you, if you're in that lane, I think this is one of the funniest movies. Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> but Zoolander 2, awful. Zoolander 2 is fucking junk, man. <laughs> that movie yeah. sucks. Almost unwatchable, yeah. yeah. But... All right, well, yeah, join us next week. Check the podcast feed for some previous episodes, ones that we mentioned. What, what did we? What was the one with Zoo? Oh, Armageddon. That's right, Owen Wilson. I still can't believe this is our first. Ben- oh, and Happy Gilmore, if you want to see that little, quick little Ben Stiller scene. Yeah. <laughs> Don't roll your fucking eyes, dude. I'll kill you. Oh, man. Yeah, oh, so man. check us out at nbd.podbean.com. We're also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also uh, write us a review, please. Uh, I said you could write us a review. I would hope that you just fucking do it, you fucking babies. Yeah, you should should write us a review you fucking babies don't even know what zip disks fucking are. yeah i have i anybody who doesn't write us a review i'm gonna save your name on a zip disk you don't even fucking know <laughs> what, it what are you gonna do uh, what are you gonna do i don't know i don't even think name? i can even put it in the computer i don't think there's Ooh, i don't it's that dark I mean, dude the dark yeah. web <laughs> you can also write us an email nostalgia be damned pod at gmail.com also send us a message yeah on facebook or twitter And, uh, yeah, tune in next week. Thanks for listening, y'all. Yeah. (laughs) Peace.